amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. This is your AEW Dynamite review for Wednesday, April 21st, 2021. I am the Solo Monster. Thank you for choosing me for your AEW coverage tonight. I thought this was a damn good show tonight. The main event, I thought, delivered. That was the match I was looking forward to the most. TNT Championship main event, Darby Allin and Jungle Boy. They went toe-to-toe in the main event with TV time remaining. I was thinking maybe they would go for a time limit draw, protect both guys. You don't beat one or the other. You could save this match maybe for later on down the road. But they gave us a clean finish. They gave us a Darby Allen win, which was not unexpected. It kind of came out of nowhere. It was a little sudden, the way he did it. But I thought that they had uh, a damn good match. And really, up and down the card, that was really the story, uh, I felt, of the show tonight. A lot of really good wrestling up and down the card. I mean, from the moment they started with Hangman Page and Ricky Starks, Christian Cage and Will Hobbs, The women's title match, which we're going to get into, which I thought was the best match of Ty Conti's career uh, by far. And one of the best matches that Hikaru Shida has had in her entire run in AEW. And then all the way up until the main event, they moved some storylines ahead. The key also is we have the Blood and Guts match coming up in a couple of weeks on May 5th on Dynamite. We had dueling promos tonight from the Pinnacle and the Inner Circle. The Pinnacle easily won that battle tonight. That was all MJF. We will get into all of that. What I thought was a very, very good show. Interestingly, I was very curious to see how many, if any, mentions they would have on the show tonight of the Impact Rebellion pay-per-view coming up this weekend, where Kenny Omega is defending the AEW World Championship against Rich Swan. Winner take all. The AEW title is potentially in jeopardy of being taken by the Impact World Champion, you would think that that would get some play on the final Dynamite before Rebellion on Sunday. Well, not really the case. We had a couple of brief mentions, but really, if you watch the show tonight, you would never know. You would never know the AEW World Championship is potentially in jeopardy of being taken by the champion of another organization which I think tells you all you need to know about the outcome of that main event coming up on Sunday. I'll give my, I already gave you guys my prediction for what I think is going to happen on uh, episode 700 on Sunday. We'll talk about Rebellion, the main event, a little bit later on. I don't know how many of you picked up on this. It is something I noticed here during the uh, early part of the show tonight, the first mention of the Blood and Guts match coming up on May 5th. I think it was Tony Schiavone, maybe who made mention of the fact they they called the Blood and Guts match uh, episode of Dynamite a one-match show. I think that was the exact phrasing, a one-match event. Now, that could be taken one of two ways. It could be taken as that's the feature match on that show, the only match that matters, or it may just be a one-match show. I find that hard to believe they're going to take the one match and stretch it out over two hours. And it was never really followed up on for the rest of the show. I don't know if I'm the only one who... 
thought that 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 was a little weird but that was the exact remark that blood and guts is going to be a one match event on may 5th i i doubt very seriously that will be the only match that night perhaps we'll get uh, clarification from tony khan about that this week but we open the show tonight remember it's all about how you start and how you end it just so happened that they they started on a good note, they ended on a good note, and there was more good stuff to come in the middle. But they opened with absolute Ricky Starks one-on-one against Hangman Adam Page. I thought this was a good opener. I enjoyed this match a great deal. Uh, there was a scary backflip out of a German suplex at one point by Ricky Starks that looked like he may have injured his ankle or... They were talking about maybe an Achilles injury on commentary. Obviously, he was fine. He was just doing a good job of selling. Uh, Big fan of Ricky Starks. As many of you know, going back to when I was reviewing NWA Power when he was on that show. Glad to see him getting television time on a major show. So Starks avoided a sliding lariat. He used the ropes to escape the Deadeye. He muscled Hangman Page up into a powerbomb for a near fall. They fought up top where Page landed an avalanche fallaway slam. Followed that up with a lariat for a close near fall as Rodimus Prime drops a $50 super chat bomb here in the first, oh, I don't know, five minutes of the stream. Rodimus making his presence felt very early on here tonight, sir. I thank you. It's good to see you, Rodimus. I'm glad that you can make it tonight. Yes, Aiden in the chat says Ricky Starks sold death. Ricky Starks is, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. So Hangman went for the buckshot lariat, but Starks avoided it, hit a spear for another near fall. Starks avoided another dead eye attempt. Hangman rolled him over, though, sank in a, a, a deep choke. Also used his other arm to kind of wrench back on the ankle at the same time. And Ricky Starks tapped out for the submission win. Taz was on commentary. Taz was great, by the way. Taz was pointing out little things that the announcers weren't pointing out. Uh, For example, at the finish, when Hangman took his other arm to wrench back on the ankle for the added uh, pressure before the submission, he, not Jim Ross, not Tony Schiavone, not Excalibur, pointed that out and pointed out the fact that it was the ankle that he had injured earlier in the match. So I know it's shocking to think that Taz is very good at speaking, but... Uh, I thought he did a good job there pointing out uh, some things like that. When the match was over, Taz got on the mic. He was trying to call attention to Hangman, who finally turned around to face him over by the announce desk. And Taz said that Hangman got lucky. He needs to watch his back. And he was emphasizing the whole point about watching his back. All of a sudden, Hook, who had come down to the ring with Ricky Starks, he chop-blocked Hangman from behind. Starks, Hook, double-teaming Hangman, until Brian Cage walks out. And Brian Cage was about to powerbomb Hangman. Here comes the Dark Order to make the save and the heels bail. And that was the end of the segment. Very good opener. Very good opener. I enjoyed this match a lot. You know, that's another theme I, I found on the show tonight, especially in the main event. You got Darby, you got Jungle Boy. One of the reasons I loved that match so much when they first announced it, you know, putting the spotlight on those two guys... I mean, Sting was in Darby's corner, but it wasn't about Sting. It wasn't about Cody or Jericho or or anybody else. Darby and Jungle Boy are two of, along with MJF, I mean, a very select few, two of those young, popular, 
sort of AEW original type stars that they need to build around. And this company can be built around over a period of years. They're still very young, but I like that. Because those two guys are the future. Those two guys, MJF, Hangman Page, that's the future of this company. It's nice they can bring in Christian Cage and Paul White and Sting, and they can contribute in their own way, Arn Anderson and Chris Jericho and Jake the Snake, and they all play a role. But these are the guys that you want to build your company around in year two, three, four, five, six. And it's the same thing here, Hangman Page and Ricky Starks. That's kind of how they opened and closed the show, right? The stars of the future. I'd put Ricky Starks on that list. I'd put Will Hobbs on that list. And he came out later in the show. So I liked it. I thought it was a good opener. We had Trent of Best Friends one-on-one with Penta El Cerro Miedo one-on-one. So Penta has pretty much, uh, they've given him Alex, how do you pronounce it? Alex uh, Abrahantes, right? That's how you pronounce his last name. So he's been an announcer. uh, And I think a span, oh, there it is, the Christian Super Chat. He's been a uh, a Spanish language announcer. Let's see here. Ah, oh, there it is. I think I... No, that's not it. But he's been the Spanish language announcer for uh, AEW now for a while. And, you know, several weeks ago, he started providing the English translations for Penta's promos. It kind of just started out of nowhere. I'm like, oh, that's kind of... All right, whatever. But tonight was really the first night on, I don't know about Dark, but on Dynamite, the first time we've seen Alex as basically a full-fledged heel manager for Penta. And I thought, you know, he added something to the match. I thought he did uh, a very good job. He also translated Penta's pre-match promo, which (laughs) said that if Orange Cassidy got in Death Triangle's way tonight, they would turn him into Orange Juice. And so that led into... The match here. So yes, he has officially, apparently Abrahantes has officially made the transition from announcer to full-on heel manager for Penta. So during the picture-in-picture break during this match, this was our first ad for, and the only ad, for the Impact Rebellion pay-per-view on Sunday. They had that, uh, at least they had a commercial that I assume Impact paid for advertising the Rich Swan-Kenny Omega match. There was another scary moment. You know, I mentioned the scary moment uh, in the opener uh, where Starks kind of f- flipped out of the German and landed on his ankle and looks like he may have hurt himself, but he didn't. There's a scary moment here where it looked like Penta dropped Trent right on his head. Even Jim Ross remarked about how it looked like he dropped him right on his head on a uh, pump handle driver for an earfall, but he was all right. Trent hit a pile driver on Penta on the apron. If I had one critique... Uh, first critique of the night, really. We had a couple of different instances on this show where a pile driver, just a straight, traditional, dead-on pile driver was used. This one was on the apron. So at least in this case, both guys fell to the floor. There was one in the QT Marshall match, which I'll get to, that he used for a near fall. I wish they would save the pile drivers for either a finish or... Hit one, the guy's out, then hit your finish and win. Not really a fan of using the pile driver in that way just for a a quick near fall. Uh, That was more of a critique for the QT match, though, than this. But we had two. 
two pile drivers like that on this show, neither of which were part of the finish. So after the pile driver spot, you know, they're outside and Alex grabs a microphone. He could see that Penta is clearly in distress. So he grabs a microphone, as any good manager would do, and he tries to distract Trent. He tells Trent, you know, not only do you suck, but your friends suck. But you know who else sucks? Your mother sucks. That's right. Sue. Sue sucks. He didn't say what she sucks. He just said that she sucks. And so, them are fighting words, and Trent grabs a chair. He chases Abrahantes into the ring. Orange Cassidy, who was outside in Trent's corner, gets into the ring, unbeknownst to Alex. He's standing behind Alex. He's getting ready to put his hands in his pockets. Penta, though, is behind Orange Cassidy, and he gives him a super kick. He super kicks this guy's fucking eye sunglasses right off his face. I, I laughed, actually. The way that Orange Cassidy kind of sold it, his glasses went flying good. The fucker deserved it. Taking his time to put his hands in his fucking pockets. So that wipes out Orange Cassidy. Abrahantes then whacks Trent with the microphone. He had a microphone in his hand, hit him in the head with it, and that allowed Penta to hit the package pile driver for the win. So there you go. All right, a pile driver for the finish. Now, that was not a traditional pile driver. But at least there was a pile driver, and it was used for the finish. So that I like. And you know what? I I know that some people may not be uh, infatuated with the idea of Penta needing help for his matches. But if he's a heel, you can almost excuse it. But in this case, I'm just happy that Penta's getting a singles push. Yeah, I've kind of been waiting for that ever since he came to AEW. He was doing the Lucha Bros thing. But, you know, I was a fan of Pentagon as Pentagon. Pentagon Jr., Pentagon Dark on Lucha Underground. He wasn't a tag team guy. He was a guy who went around and broke people's arms. And then he linked up with Vampiro, but he was doing his own thing. So if this is all part of the start of a, of a Penta push as a single star, then I'm all for it. But I thought Alex did a good job. As the heel manager here, I thought that uh, he did a fine job here. Up next was one of the highlights of the show. One of my favorite parts of the show tonight. Earlier in the day, Jim Ross had a sit-down interview with the Pinnacle. So you had FTR, Sean Spears, Wardlow, and MJF. Tully Blanchard was not there. Tully Blanchard, we were told, was at home drawing up the game plan. Drawing up some strategy, some plays for the Blood and Guts match on May 5th. But this was the Pinnacle and MJF's response to what Jim Ross, apparently, I this is what they said. Uh, he had referred to Chris Jericho's uh, promo on Dynamite a couple of weeks ago as immortal. It was such a great promo, he called it Jericho's immortal promo. And it was, it was a great promo. It's the best promo I've seen Jericho cut in a long time. So now this was MJF's opportunity to respond in kind to what Chris Jericho had to say. And JR asked him about that promo. And MJF mentioned how Jericho talked about his scarf and how he kind of jacked the gimmick from him and his scarf looks old and everything like that. And Wardlow, he kind of said to Wardlow, you got something for me. And Wardlow had a box and he presented MJF with a new scarf. He goes, it's silk season. 
So it was a brand new silk scarf gifted to him by Tully Blanchard, who, as I mentioned, was not there. Wardlow got some uh, time to speak, and he said that Jericho cut one of the best promos of his career. They kept throwing that word around. You know, usually when you're listening to a promo or you're watching a promo, the guys in the promo are not constantly using the word promo. They must have used the word promo about 10 times here. But Wardlow's talking about Jericho cutting one of the best promos of his career. But he goes, you stumbled over your words when you mentioned me. Which he did. Jericho got his lines crossed. Remember he called Wardlow a million dollar brain, 10 cent body. That's when I made the comment, if he's got a 10 cent body, then I owe somebody a lot of money. And they're going to be coming around to break some kneecaps soon. He got confused in the course of his promo. But I like how they kind of turned that here into something for Wardlow to, to, to talk about. He said, you stumbled over your words when you got to me because you knew the moment my name left your lips that you had made a bad decision. So I like that. Wardlow, they kept his dialogue here to a minimum, which I actually think Wardlow is a very uh, good speaker from when I've heard him in interviews and stuff on podcasts. He's got a good voice. He has, uh, you know, that kind of commanding voice, deep voice, but... Uh, it's good that they keep his talking to a minimum. I don't. I don't want to see Wardlow out there cutting uh, soliloquies. Remember that when they had Kane doing that in the mid two thousands? They played that stupid music in the background, and Kane, this monster, would be in the ring on SmackDown for like eight minutes straight, like it, like it's a fucking movie. You'd hear music, creepy music in the background. I mean, he did a good job with it, but my God, you talk about cringe. This is not uh, Shakespearean theater here. So back to MJF. He said Jericho would not elevate the talent around him. He kind of mocked the idea of Jericho giving people the rub. This is a little too inside for my liking. And then MJF, all of a sudden, he got very animated. Got very angry, got very loud. And he said, I'm not just great for my age. I'm not just great. For a 25-year-old. He goes, I'm great, period. And he says, when you were 25, in reference to Jericho, he goes, you were curtain-jerking on WCW Worldwide, which I thought was a great line. MJF referenced Jericho calling him a mark. MJF said, it's true. I am a mark. You're, You're right. He goes, but I'm not a mark for you. He goes, I'm a mark for your spot. And I'm going to take that spot May 5th at Blood and Guts when we beat you. I thought that this was an excellent segment. I thought MJF was bringing the heat with this promo. My words don't do the full thing justice. I would advise you to go find it and watch it. It is worth your time. This is how you hype up a big match like Blood and Guts. And that's what they need to do. You know, they're coming off their second biggest rating in the history of the show last week. Their first night unopposed, Dynamite did 1.2 million overnight viewers. Who knows what they did on DVR, but the demo was way up. 1.2 million. And in fact, I think one of the matches on the show peaked with like 1.4. Might have been the Jericho match. Peaked with 1.4 million. With uh, Tyson at ringside as the guest enforcer. Now, as far as what happens this week, and that was a taped show too. So they were back live tonight. 
loaded card on paper. I still think the number goes down. The question is, how much does it go down by? Then you have next week. And two weeks from now, they've got blood and guts. That's a pay-per-view caliber match. They're basically doing war games live on TNT. You would expect that will just... I I don't want to say that it's going to be their biggest rating of all time, but it should be. That May 5th episode of Dynamite, that should be their biggest rating they have ever done in the history of the show. And if they can promote that match right, and the best way to do that is to drive it home with some golden promos, and you've got the right people here as part of this match. You've got Jericho, you've got MJF, two of the best talkers in the company. Those guys can sell people on the match next week. That's the go-home show. It's going to be all on them to really put this thing over the top and get people to tune in to watch that match. So I'm, I have high hopes for the, uh, as far as ratings go, for how that show's going to do on May 5th. You're giving a blood and guts match away on TV. I mean, should that not do the best rating they've ever done, especially now that they're on a post? I mean, when they did their biggest rating ever, it was their debut show, but they were still up against NXT that night. Now they don't have that issue anymore. But I thought as far as promoting that match, this was, this was excellent. MJF was fantastic here in this segment. We had Hikaru Shida. Defending the AEW Women's Championship against Ty Conti. Conti went for judo throws early on in the match. Sheeta blocked every single one of them. On the floor, Sheeta hit an enziguri and a brain buster on the floor before rolling Ty Conti back inside. Bow and arrow submission by the champion. Sheeta then transitions into a forearm face lock. And they go to picture in picture. Oh, do I hate picture-in-picture. So they come back, and Conti hits a series of judo throws, German suplex. She places Hikaru Shida down stomach-first on the top turnbuckle in one of the corners. And Conti climbs to the top rope, and she hits a standing senton down onto Shida as Shida is laying on the turnbuckles, which I thought was very unique. I thought that was a... A very cool move. She got a near fall out of it, though. Didn't win with it. Conti went for her DD tie, as she calls it. Sheeta countered with a knee and a falcon arrow for a two. Conti stopped Sheeta from hitting the uh, Tamashi before they fought back up top. Sheeta hit a headbutt, dropped Conti over the top turnbuckle back first. And I'm watching this and I'm just thinking, Christ, that looks painful. <laughs> My God. That looked fucking brutal. She dropped her back first on the, and like her body bent. I hope she's a very flexible girl because if not, she's definitely not going to be feeling too good after that. You can break a back that way. And she tumbles down to the floor. Sheeta, once she gets her back into the ring, she goes for the katana, but she runs into a pump kick. Conti fights back, follows that up with the tie KO for a close near fall. Sheeta fought out of the DD tie. And Conti landed uh, elbow strikes, got slapped for her troubles, and Shida hit a backbreaker in the katana for the win, and Hikaru Shida remains the AEW World's Women's Champion in what I thought was an excellent match. That was the best match I have ever seen in Ty Conti's career. That is, and, and you know, it's one of those matches as I was watching it, 
And I've raised this issue before. What must the people at the Performance Center be thinking? Because, you know, the people there watch, they watch Dynamite. They all watch each other's shit. They had Ty Conti. And when Ty Conti was in NXT, I said there's definitely potential here. She had improved a lot for somebody who didn't know anything about wrestling. She already had an athletic background. She's the kind of person who they could have cultivated and, and, and trained and molded into someone who could have been a real dominant player in the women's division right now. She could be on Raw or SmackDown, and they'd let her go. And so she's a classic case of WWE's loss. I know they already have so many people they don't know what to do with, but still, their loss is AEW's gain. Because she was kicking all kinds of ass in this match tonight. This is the best match I've ever seen her have in her entire career. And I thought it was one of the better matches of Sheeta's career. She just had some great matches in AEW, but this is up there. So I was very impressed by this match. I enjoyed this. And uh, I know some people might have thought this was the right time to do the title change. She has been the champion now for a long time. Ty Conti. I, I would not have complained if they wanted to put the title on Ty Conti, but it wasn't the right time. It wasn't the right time. It was the right outcome. You keep the championship on Hikaru Shida. Because you are so close to double or nothing. And with this loss, guess who the new number one contender is? Just like I mapped it out a couple of months ago. Guess who the new number one contender is? Britt Baker. Who walked out as soon as the match was over. Here comes Britt Baker out onto stage. She points out the rankings they put up on the big screen. And guess who the number one contender is now for the world women's title? And now you've got plenty of time to wait and promote the match for double or nothing. At the end of next month. I mean, we're only a month away. We're four weeks away from Double or Nothing. Whatever that Sunday is before Memorial Day. What what day is that? May 29th or something? That is Double or Nothing. 28th, maybe. You do the title match there. You do the title change. Rip Baker beats Hikaru Shida to become the new women's champion. This thing writes itself. It is the only destination that should they should even be thinking of right now. After the match that she had, the Lights Out match with Thunder Rosa... I said then, this woman goes, she doesn't lose a single match until she gets to Sheeta at double or nothing and wins the title. So things are set up perfectly now. It was not the right time for Ty Conti. She, she may have her time. She may have her day one, one day soon. But today was not that day. So things are, are set up exactly now as they should be. Dan Brown in the chat says, double or nothing is on Sunday, May 30th. I said, whatever that Sunday is. So there you go. What, if, if it's the 29th, the 30th, whatever it is, that is the day of double or nothing. It looks like it's May 30th. So May 30th, mark it down. May 30th is the day that her title reign comes to an end. I'm calling it now. We had a video package for Miro. Just by himself, no Kip Sabian, and Miro is very angry. He still hasn't set out to accomplish what he came to AEW to do which is prove all the naysayers wrong and win a championship. And to him, it doesn't matter which championship it is. The only question is, which champion does he go after? So he is already teasing a match either with Darby Allen or with Kenny Omega. And that's another thing I pointed out. I said, people have asked me, who do you think should be Darby to become the TNT champion? I said, I don't think it should be Jungle Boy because it doesn't feel like the right time. 
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Are you looking for a trusted property insurance partner to help your business grow and stay resilient? FM Global uses science, data, and research to help you make informed decisions. By working together, FM Global can help you grow your company with confidence and deliver the protection and expertise you need to thrive. We're also here to help you navigate the complex world of ESG. We'll work with you to identify and mitigate risks related to natural disasters and offer solutions that contribute to a more sustainable future. Let's prepare to prosper. And I said it's it's Miro would be the likely choice. I said I think Miro or Archer, but I was thinking Miro would be the one who would take the title from Darby. Now, I don't Miro's not challenging Kenny Omega for the world title. And unless they're going to have him go after the FTW title, which is not really an official title, the only other championship that there would be there for him to challenge for would be the TNT title. So I I am going to stick by my earlier prediction, which is that Miro is going to be the one to take that belt from Darby Allen. Darby Allen is the scrappy underdog. He's been winning match after match after match, including tonight. I believe it's all building up to him dropping it to Miro. I don't know if that'll be a double or nothing, but it seems like, I mean, that would seem to be the most likely time, you know, from, from my eyes. It's a month away. Miro's already challenge or uh, teasing about challenging for a title, so there's another match you could probably add to the lineup at double or nothing if if uh, if I'm right. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. I'm I'm right more often than I'm wrong. Tony Schiavone, he was in the ring to interview the Inner Circle. Inner Circle was going to be able to retort after the Pinnacle promo earlier in the show. Could they match that excellent promo by MJF? The answer is no. Chris Jericho thanked the crowd. He promoted the uh, Blood and Guts match coming up. Jake Hager spoke. Now, that doesn't happen very often, and we found out why. Jake Hager spoke, and he said that he pulled out some straws. And he said that the Pinnacle is going to be sucking their own meat through a straw, after blood and guts, that is anatomically impossible. But thank you for the horrible visual. This is why you never let Jack Swagger near a microphone. He is best when he is standing there and he is mute, making mean faces and saying nothing. Because when he does speak, we end up with lines like, sucking your own meat. Through a straw. Sweet dreams when you put your head down on the pillow tonight. Santana grabbed the mic and he pointed out that the pinnacle, you know, they wait to have backup before they fight. Said that's a bitch move. May 5th, we'll see if the pinnacle has heart. Let's give Santana more mic time. There's something I can get behind. 
Let's take the mic. Let's give Jake Hager less mic time, and let's give that mic time to Santana. I'd like to hear more Santana promos. More Santana and Ortiz promos. Instead of sucking uh, man meat through a straw. So Jericho said that even though MJF can sing show tunes, Jericho can sing show tunes as well. And he sang a song which was awful. I guess it was meant to be funny. It really wasn't. Then he said that he washed his ass with that new scarf that Tully gave to MJF. Then he got serious. And he said, it's fun to make jokes, but blood and guts is going to be a lesson in violence they will never forget. Next week, face-to-face, the inner circle and the pinnacle, he says, are going to have a good old-fashioned parlay as they talk about the rules of the Blood and Guts match. Because of Blood and Guts, he's going to beat the living hell out of MJF, and he said the inner circle will own MJF's ass. This was not nearly as good as Jericho's promo two weeks ago. This could not hold a candle to MJF's promo earlier. In the, I mean, MJF just wiped the, the floor with Jericho. If you compare the two promos on this show... But he did get serious at the end with the hard sell for uh, Blood and Guts. And again, I like Santana getting mic time more than I did Hager. So let's see more of that going forward. We have QT Marshall against Billy Gunn, who apparently got the rights to his name. Or WWE just doesn't give a shit anymore. But he came out as Billy Gunn. He was not Bill. He was not Billy or Billy G or Kip Cute Kip, whatever other name he's gone by in his career. Billy attacked uh, QT and uh, his boys on the stage before the bell. And back in the ring, Billy Gunn was in control, hitting moves and body slams and out on the floor. He was continuing the attack. It was a distraction, though, that allowed Nick Camarado or as I call him, uh, Caveman Camarado, because the guy looks like a fucking caveman. So that's my name for him. That's what I uh, that's what I call him. He looks like fucking Encino Man. Caveman Camarado. Takes down Billy Gunn. So then the Gun Club, because Billy's got uh, a whole tribe of children, apparently. The Gun Club, they're at ringside. They attack from the crowd. And that finally leaves QT and Billy Gunn one-on-one in the ring. QT hits a pile driver. That's the one I referenced earlier. Hits a pile driver right in the middle of the ring for a near fall only. And he was mocking DX and Billy popped up and hit kind of like a blue thunder bomb. Marshall fought out of the Famouser attempt. Billy fought off a diamond cutter attempt. The referee gets distracted and out comes Anthony Agogo, the boxer, who won his match last week in 20 seconds with a liver punch where before the referee could really even get a good bead on on whether or not the guy was hurt or anything, he immediately called the match off. And so out comes Anthony Agogo. The referee is distracted. Billy Gunn comes towards him, and he hits Billy Gunn. He catches him with a liver punch right to the, right to the gut, and that allows QT to hit the diamond cutter for the win. And I'm just thinking, you know, all this interference and stuff, and I know they're trying to get over this new faction and their heels and everything, but if QT Marshall needs this much help to beat 57-year-old Billy Gunn, 
then he shouldn't even be in the ring with Cody. Even though I, I look, I don't know any 57-year-olds who look like Billy Gunn. The guy looks in, in great shape. I take nothing away from him there. But he's 57 years old. You would never know it if you looked at the guy. He's almost 60. But if QT needs all this help to win, then what the fuck is he doing in a feud with one of the top stars in the company? After the match, QT was about to hit Billy with a wooden chair. It was very strange because, you know, we we, they, we used to see chairs like this like 25 years ago, 30 years ago, every now and then. Yeah, those wooden chairs. Where do you find a wooden chair anymore? There's fucking steel chairs all over the place, but they pulled a wooden chair out from under the ring, so you knew it was going to get broken over somebody's head. QT is threatening to hit Billy with this wooden chair. And out comes Dustin Rhodes with a bull rope. And he hits QT in the midsection with the bull rope, which I'm sure means we're getting a bull rope match soon. We got a pay-per-view coming up. We may be getting a bull rope match between QT and Dustin. So then Dustin has a face-off with Anthony Agogo. Anthony Agogo is stepping up to Dustin Rhodes. Dustin picks up the wooden chair that QT was... Almost about to use on Billy Gunn. Nick Camarado, caveman. Caveman Camarado comes in. And Dustin smashes the chair. Here it is. Here's the spot. He smashes the chair over Camarado's head. It smashes into a whole bunch of little itty bitty pieces. It's a great visual. And Camarado no sells the whole thing. He just stands there and he grunts and he looks mean. So they were trying to get over that this guy, you know, he he's unstoppable, this guy. And and so, again, visually it looked good because, you know, the pieces of the chair shatter and everything. But it was just, it was so obvious. I mean, it's like, you get, where where did this wooden chair come? What is this, 1984? Like, what, you're pulling a wooden chair out from underneath the ring? I used to have a chair like that. I had, like, a little rocking chair and a little horsey when I was a kid. I used to have it. We threw the furniture away many years ago. You know how old that furniture was? They used to make shit like that 35 years ago. Apparently, they keep one underneath the ring, just in case. We welcome everybody into the stream here. Say hello to any uh, folks who came in late. Very uh, happy that you have chosen me for your Dynamite coverage tonight. I do appreciate it. And uh, all of you who joined me last week, we had like a bazillion streams. And we picked up a whole bunch of new channel members and subscribers. And uh, in fact, on Sunday... I streamed live for over four hours answering your questions in a special inbox celebrating 700 episodes of the main podcast. And everybody who joined me that night, I want to say thank you again. It was a lot of fun hanging out with you guys. went a lot longer than I thought we were going to go. But I uh, answered every single one of your questions. We'll do another one of those again at some point. And uh, actually, we'll be doing uh, smaller versions of that, not live. Uh, but for all channel members, regardless of what tier you are on, we have two tiers for channel membership on the channel. Uh, we're going to be doing these uh, sort of miniaturized Q&As where you'll get to ask questions. I'll put a post up and uh, I'll do little like little Dropbox videos answering your questions. So that's another new feature coming up soon if you're a channel member. So just something to think about. If it's uh, something you're interested in. We had a segment with the Elite. They had their own personal trailer parked right outside Daly's place in the parking lot. So we went out to the trailer, and Don Callis introduced everybody, and 
This is where he made another brief mention of the fact that Kenny Omega was going to become the new Impact World Champion after his match this Sunday against Rich Swan. Matt Jackson said the Elite was the reason that business went up in Japan. Whatever. And he pointed out that the company is called All Elite Wrestling, which is true. That's where the name comes from. They were the core that Tony Khan built around, them and Chris Jericho. It was all the elite guys. Cody, Kenny, the Bucks, Hangman. That was the whole core they built around in the first place. So Kenny Omega started speaking, but he was interrupted by the honking of a car. For a minute there, I thought he was in Brooklyn. Every time I go to record a podcast every Sunday morning, it's a good thing I don't do those live. You would think at at 9 o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock in the morning, it would be quiet, right? It would be a safe time to record. If you, I can't even begin to describe to you, every five seconds there is a siren. I don't know if it's an ambulance, if it's a cop car, if someone's dying in the street. Then when that dies down, we have airplanes. Apparently I'm in a flight path to JFK, (laughs) back and forth every five minutes. Like, are you kidding me? So the honking, I mean, please, I hear that in my sleep. But apparently this bothered Kenny Omega. He couldn't cut his promo. This this honking, it was uh, annoying him. And they cut to the outside, and the honking is coming from a pickup truck right outside, being driven by John Moxley. And in the passenger seat is Eddie Kingston. And Moxley floors it, rams the truck into the Elite trailer. They both get out of the truck. Moxley has a pipe. They walk around to the other side of the trailer. Moxley starts smashing the windows out with the pipe. They go into the trailer. And the Elite, they have fled. They are nowhere to be found. And we got some comedic dialogue here between Moxley and and Kingston, who are just the perfect pairing. One of the questions, by the way, on that Q&A stream, the inbox stream Sunday night that I answered, was in reference to uh, Moxley and Kingston being the ones to eventually take the tag team titles from the Young Bucks. And I like that idea. And in fact, I think that they are, I mean, when I think about who could take the titles away from the Bucks, I mean, what other team right now at this moment comes to mind? Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Are you looking for a trusted property insurance partner to help your business grow and stay resilient? FM Global uses science, data, and research to help you make informed decisions. By working together, FM Global can help you grow your company with confidence and deliver the protection and expertise you need to thrive. We're also here to help you navigate the complex world of ESG. We'll work with you to identify and mitigate risks related to natural disasters and offer solutions that contribute to a more sustainable future. Let's prepare to prosper. Moxley and Kingston. I mean, I know they're, they're you know, they'd be a makeshift team, but they're just so good together. I, I could see that. I could see them being the ones to take the belts away from uh, the Bucks at some point. 
We had Christian Cage one-on-one against Powerhouse Hobbs. Ken terminated by DQ. Thank you for the five bucks. I'm going to be reading yours and uh, everyone else's super chats here in just a second. So if you have comments about tonight's show, what do you think of Dynamite? Or ratings predictions? Or if you have questions for me, we're going to have a little super chat party here in just a little bit. So thank you, Ken. Christian Cage against Powerhouse Will Hobbs. They mentioned on commentary, uh, Excalibur did, Jim Ross did as well. Uh, the uh, passing, recent passing of Butch Reed. And he used to go by the name Hacksaw. You know, in WWE, he was the natural. But before that, he was Hacksaw Butch Reed. And again, when he passed away, it became known that he was a big fan of Will Hobbs. And he had been watching his stuff on TV, and he's like, that's the next Hacksaw, that's the new Hacksaw. And maybe he didn't take it out of respect. I mean, I I was disappointed he didn't take over that nickname and become Hacksaw Hobbs. It just, the flow, it just just works. I still say that should be his name. It's better than Powerhouse. His nickname, he should be Hacksaw Hobbs, Hacksaw Will Hobbs. But Hobbs was overpowering Christian early on. He tossed Cage over the barricade. He shoved Serpentico down because fuck that guy. Luther, by the way, his tag team partner, he was standing right there. He didn't, you know, he didn't like the fact that his partner got shoved over, but he didn't do jack jack shit because he knew better than to get up in front of Will Hobbs. He just kind of looked at him with that third eye. So down goes Serpentico. Hobbs was trying to pull Christian's face through the bars on the uh, security railing. They go to break. They come back. From break, Christian's fighting back. Goes for the kill switch, but Hobbs muscles his way out of it. He whips Christian across the ring. He goes for a Vader bomb. Christian gets his legs up. Hobbs turns a running kick or a running attack. Might have been a kick. Uh, Into a hard spine buster for a near fall. Christian goes for swinging DDT. Ends up turning it into a power bomb out of the corner. And you could see Hobbs' head kind of whiplash when it hit the mat. Christian comes off the top for a frog splash for a near fall. And so Christian catches Hobbs in a sleeper hold. And Hobbs powers him up, slams him into the corner. Cage slips off his shoulders, hits him with a kill switch, and picks up the win. So this was a hard-fought win for Christian, who should have won. Uh, because he's still early in his run. This is only his second match. He had the Frankie Kazarian match. I wouldn't be beating Christian. I, I know he's 47 years old. He got the younger guys. In this case, it was fine. Christian is still very early in his run. I would not be beating him yet. And he gave Hobbs a lot. Gave Hobbs a lot of offense in this match. So even though he lost... This was a strong showing for Hobbs in a rare singles match for him on Dynamite. So I thought this match overall was was good. It served its purpose. Uh, After the match, Ricky Starks came out to check on Will Hobbs. He and Cage shared a brief stare down. I like where this is going. Where this is going should be a singles match between Ricky Starks and Christian Cage. That is a match I'm looking forward to, although nothing is officially announced yet. And that brings us to, see, you hear that? (laughs) You may not be able to, that's a siren right there. I see, I spoke too soon. It's not just Sunday mornings. Apparently now it's Wednesday nights as well. 
the crime the crime never stops here in Brooklyn. Crime never ends. We had a main event of Darby Allen with Sting in his corner against Jungle Boy with Luchasaurus in his corner for the TNT Championship with TV time remaining. Early on, they're feeling each other out. Out, not up. Just to go back to uh, Jake Hager's uh, meat straws. So Jungle Boy rolls out to the floor. Darby Allen flew into him. They both go flying, hurling over the barricade as they go into commercial. Back from break, Jungle Boy hits a belly-to-belly throw into the turnbuckles. And he gets an ear fall out of that. Jungle Boy hits two consecutive topes out through the ropes, onto Darby through the middle rope. And then the third was a cannonball dive out over the top, wipes out Darby. Darby fights back, though. They're outside the ring. He's got Jungle Boy laid out on the apron. He climbs up top, and Darby Allen hits a coffin drop on the apron. Remember the first time he tried that? Very early on in AEW's run? I don't remember which event that was. I think it was whatever their summer show was. It might have been uh, Fighter Fest or uh, one of those shows. I believe it was the first match, actually, that uh, Darby and Cody ever had. Darby went for the coffin drop on the apron. Cody rolled out of the way, and Darby took a hellacious bump on the apron and just bounced onto the floor. This time he hit it, though. He hit Jungle Boy. So, Luchasaurus helped Jungle Boy to his feet so that he can get back into the ring and not get counted out. And Jungle Boy made it back in just in the nick of time. Well, Sting didn't take too kindly to this. So, they're up on the ramp. Sting walks around to where Luchasaurus is, and he confronts him, and they end up fighting. And they brawl back through the tunnel, and so they're gone. And I'm thinking, this is great. That's great. Right? They kept the interference between those two outside. Now they're gone. Now we can have one-on-one, no interference, no shenanigans, no bullshit. And Jungle Boy hits a brain buster, followed by a sliding elbow to the back of the head for a near fall. Jungle Boy locks on his snare trap submission. And the announcers were really selling that this could be it. There's no escape from this. This is his big move. There's no getting out of this for Darby Allen. And it looked like Darby was going out. For a second there, they had me thinking they might actually go ahead and do a title change here. Just trade one babyface champion for another. Don't matter who Miro beats. He could beat Jungle Boy. He could beat Darby. So for a second, I thought, okay, maybe they are going to change the title here, even though I don't think they should. But he makes it to the bottom rope. Jungle Boy drags him back to the center of the ring, puts him in a surfboard, lets go, locks the snare trap back on again. Darby gouges the eyes to break out of the hold. And Darby used his last supper pin for the sudden win. Came out of nowhere. We've seen him use that. Uh, pin pinning maneuver before and it does look like the kind of move that you wouldn't be able to kick out of but it just was so sudden it came out of nowhere and Darby Allen wins and Darby Allen retains the TNT championship with only moments to spare at the end of the show Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page immediately hit the ring to attack both men but they really weren't interested so much in Jungle Boy they were going after Darby Ethan Page hit the ego's edge. He launched Darby. Razor's edge, but he launched him through the air. Lance Archer runs out to make the save for some reason. But they kick him low, and they start beating beating down Archer. Sting comes back out with the baseball bat. 
Right, Lance Archer is always interfering in Sting shit, so I guess Sting felt the need to return the favor here. And he chases them away with the baseball bat. I thought they had a very good match. I thought this match would have benefited by being a few minutes longer. Uh, I thought that this you could have easily tacked on another four or five minutes to this match. As it was, I thought it was a very good match. They kept the outside stuff to a minimum with Sting, you know, fighting to the back with Luchasaurus. It wasn't, you know, they didn't get in the ring or anything like that. Uh, Sky and Paige, they only ran in when the match was over, so it was fine. So I thought just top to bottom from the way they opened, some of the stuff in the middle in terms of Christian and Hobbs, in terms of the women's title match, in terms of the MJF promo, and then the main event, this was an excellent show. This really, I mean, top to bottom, not a perfect show. I didn't love everything, but the key stuff on this show, I thought really delivered. This was the strongest, I think, top to bottom show that they've had in a while. And the lineup for next Wednesday looks like this on the taped show next week. Brian Cage goes one-on-one with Hangman Page, so it's Cage and Page. Penta one-on-one against Orange Cassidy. Chris Statlander goes one-on-one with Penelope Ford. We've got the Young Bucks against Matt and Mike Seidel in a tag team title eliminator match. Dustin Rhodes, Billy Gunn, and Lee Johnson against QT Marshall, Aaron Solo, and Caveman Camarado. And the Inner Circle and the Pinnacle will have their parlay. Ahead of their Blood and Guts match on May 5th. This is it. It all boils down to this. The big go-home sell next Wednesday for the Blood and Guts match. Now, this Sunday is the Impact Rebellion pay-per-view. I could not tell you any of the other matches on the show. I know the main event. The main event is winner takes all. AEW champion Kenny Omega one-on-one against the Impact World Champion Rich Swan. Both belts on the line. They are promoting this as if we're going to walk out. Someone's going to walk out with two titles. And I don't think that the brain trust at Impact want to piss off their fan base, want to chase any fans away who are going to feel cheated by getting anything other than a double champion. So I'm not expecting some kind of bullshit finish, double DQ, time limit draw some like i'm expecting a winner and as i said this past sunday the winner is going to be kenny omega because tony khan would be out of his fucking mind to end kenny omega's world title run that he is currently on by having the impact world champion beat him in a match that they have not even like barely even promoted on their own show tonight was the only time And even tonight, it was brief, because it's not an AEW pay-per-view. They don't have a financial stake in the pay-per-view on Sunday. I get that. But your champion is in a winner-take-all main event. The championship could potentially slip away and go to Impact Wrestling. It's very bizarre that there has barely been a mention of this. But it just goes to show you that there ain't no way that Rich Swan is walking out of there with the AEW title. They would be out of their fucking mind to have Rich Swan beat Kenny Omega. Out of their mind. Not going to happen. So Kenny Omega, is he's the belt collector, right? He's going to have another belt. He's going to collect another title on Sunday. And they're going to have Mauro Ronaldo on the call with Matt Stryker and D'Lo Brown. Mauro Ronaldo is being brought in to call the main event to give it more of a big fight feel. So that's coming up on Sunday. For those of you who are interested in that, if you want to watch the pay-per-view, it was originally scheduled for Saturday the 24th. 
Then there was some kind of, uh, is there like a Jake Paul fight or some bullshit pay-per-view this weekend? Because they bumped it. Maybe there were rumors of a Jake Paul fight or something. I don't know. But anyway, now it's on Sunday. So if anyone's still confused about the date, don't be. It's Sunday the 25th in the Rebellion main event. Let us see what you guys thought of tonight's show. Let us go to the Twitter poll. Perfectly timed Big Show Super Chat. Look at that. The AEW, baby. Woo! Uh, Super Chat. Thank you, Ryan Spies. 81.3% thumbs up. 18.7% thumbs down. So people seem overall pretty happy with uh, tonight's show. As well they should be. Like I said, it was a very strong show tonight. I really don't have uh, any complaints about what they did. They forwarded all of the key stories. We got some great matches on the show tonight, including two championship matches. No title changes, but the women's match is as good as any women's match you would see on an episode of Dynamite. And that main event with Darby and Jungle Boy is the first of what I expect to be many matches between those two in the months and years to come in this company because they are two of the people that this company will be built around going forward. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. And if you were to come up with a top five of who that would be, those are two spots right there in Darby and Jungle Boy, and you could put MJF on that list, you could put Hangman Page on that list, and you can debate who would be number five. You know, right now, Sammy Guevara, for example, he's kind of in the background right now with the inner circle stuff. Maybe it's him. Maybe it's Wardlow. Wardlow's got a bright future when he breaks away from MJF or he goes babyface. He could be a monster babyface in that company. There are any number of younger talents on that roster, Ricky Starks, who are going to become really big names in AEW. In the future, just going to take time. But that's where guys like Christian and Sting and people like that could be useful. Jericho, they could really be useful in helping to elevate these guys and put them over and get them over because they are the future of this company. As I queue up your super chats and your messages about the show tonight. Again, if you want to send a super chat in, I read everything you guys send to me. You'll see them uh, pop up on screen, and you'll get a little funny image with it. You never know what image might pop up. Unless you pick one of the special ones down below, then you'll know exactly what you're getting. That's why I put them down there. Figure I make things uh, a little fun. Ah, UFC. That's what it is. Okay. That's right. That's right. The Jake Paul thing was last weekend. That's right. There was a slap fight that Ric Flair was officiating... He was there with Pete Davidson. That's right. I had forgotten about that. There is a UFC this Sunday. Or, uh, I'm sorry, this Saturday. 
Well, th well, that makes sense. I mean, Impact would be crushed. <laughs> they ran the same night as UFC. I mean, come on. Hey, you give me a fucking break here. Uh, let's see here. Ryan Spies, Blood and Guts is a one-match event. Jericho is going to pass out just waiting to enter the match. Well, that is why he will likely enter last. But they'll uh, apparently go over all the rules next week for how this is going to work. It's their version of War Games, but they may change some of the rules. You know, the War Games match in WWE in uh, NXT, uh, they put a top on the cage. Or, I'm sorry, they, they did not use a top on the cage. And Triple H has said the reason they do that is because the guys can do dives and they can do big moves off the top. So I'm curious, are they going to have a top on the cage and go old school like War Games used to be, or are they going to follow NXT's lead and not have a top so that people can jump off the top of the cage? Lord Frieza, not going to lie, or uh, not going to be able to make it today. I, I don't know why I thought that said lie. Uh, two things, you can replace Spears with me and no one would notice. Second, that Nick Camarado has a good look. Someone to keep an eye on. I said he looks like Encino Man. He looks like a caveman. And that could work to his advantage. He's got a very unique look. Not saying that's a bad thing, he just looks like a fucking caveman. Uh, Nayef Al-Safar, thank you for the ten bucks. And Lord Frieza, thank you for the ten as well. Oz Inglorious. Oz Inglorious. And I will give in. I will give in. Blah, blah. I forgot all the words. <laughs> I forgot the words. That great creation brought to you by CFOs. Not Jim Johnston. Oz and Glorious love seeing Dustin and Billy Gunn healthy and getting ring action, but for the love of God, no more QT Marshall on TV, please. Well, tough shit, because he's feuding with Cody, so you know he's getting more TV time whether you like it or not. You might even get a pay-per-view match out of it. If they don't do a bull rope match with him and Dustin, it'll probably be him and Cody at double or nothing. Uh, Nathan Cadia, Ty Conti continues to improve, and Hikaru Shida continues to shine in a really good title match tonight. Can't stay for the review, but sending love and good vibes. I concur wholeheartedly on that women's match. Uh, Ryan Spies, the Page Scorpio Archer Sting stuff is so meh. Yeah, I mean, it's not really doing much for it. Well, Paige and Scorpio, though. I mean, let's give that some time. See, those those are two guys who, if featured, they could be something on the show. So they, you know, Ethan Page just came in not too long ago. Scorpio Sky is going to get a singles push, and he's a talented guy. Now he's a heel. That doesn't bother me so much. It's the stuff with Archer and Sting, and if they do a match between them, I'm I'm just not sure. I'm not sure how good that is for Sting. Nova Scotia Andrew would love a Darby versus Jungle Boy rematch sometime. I'm sure you're going to get one. It may not be anytime soon. I'm just saying these two are going to be around for a long time. Unless one of them, you know, at the end of their contract ends up being... The first real AEW jump to WWE. 
which I would advise against. First of all, I can't see Darby Allen going to WWE. He's made his thoughts clear on that. I don't think he has any interest at all in going to WWE. And uh, Jungle Boy, I mean, he got his big break in AEW. So I don't think they're going to go anywhere. They're going to be part of this company for a long time. You'll see them again. One-on-one, I guarantee it. Rodimus Prime, again, thank you for the $50 spot. Awesome show all the way around. The women's and TNT title matches were incredible. Ace of Masta with the 10 bucks. Says, uh, forgot to uh, donate to the Super Show on Sunday and reunite the tag team with my brother Kevin. Thanks for all the hard work and content through the years. Oh, I appreciate that. Is that, um, is that uh, Kevin and Max? Max the Axe? Is that who I'm uh, hearing from here? Thank you, Ace of Masta. Jacob Donnelly with the $30 Christian Cage Super Chat. Christian is still looking for something. Out of curiosity, do you think AEW could have gotten away with giving Ty the title tonight? She seemed over enough where as long as the title ends at Britt Baker, it would have been okay. Yeah, they could have done that. I mean, she's a babyface, right? Britt's a heel, so Britt still gets to beat a babyface for the belt. I think Britt should be the one to end the long reign of Sheeta, though. Plus, I don't want Ty Conti if she's going to win the belt. I mean, what good does it do her to give her a four-week run with the belt? I think it's better off that you wait. This was the right finish. I wouldn't put it on her just to take it away from her. Oz and Glorious. Loved the show from start to finish, minus the QT garbage. AEW stooge in the chat. Give Miro and Archer more time instead of this nepotism clown. Well, he feels very strongly about QT Marshall. Uh, Zach Masters, you do look like every other white guy in wrestling. Anyway, huge fan. I've been listening since 2014. Well, let me tell you, my friend. I, As I've said before, I have had... I've told, you know, I've said Kofi Kingston in the same interview I did with him many years ago. He thought I looked like John Laurinaitis. But he also thought, oh, who, who, oh, uh, Jack Swagger. This is the same guy in the same interview telling me that I look like two different white guys. I look like this person. I look like Orange Cassidy. I look like Daniel Bryan. I'm offended by this. We don't all look alike, you know. Oz and Glorious, does Omega bring home the impact? Of course he does. Why do you even have to ask that question? Yes. Brady, and then they're going to have a problem because what do you do? They're not going to beat Omega. So how long does he hold on to it for? They got to have a champion and impact. Does he win it and then give it up? It kind of feels like they could have their backs up against the wall here. I'd like to think they already have their plans in place for how this is going to go, but maybe not. Apparently, you know, remember the whole fiasco with Sammy Guevara who showed up and didn't like the creative and apparently nobody clued him in as to what the creative was and it was a whole to-do. That's the kind of shit that should be worked out weeks and weeks in advance. This match is this match was announced two months ago, I think. So I would hope they have a good plan for what they're going to do. And if Impact is going to be without their champion for a while, then Kenny might have to make some appearances on Impact and defend it. But Kenny Omega should not be losing 
Rich Swan can lose. Kenny Omega should not be losing. The fact is that Kenny Omega is a bigger deal than Rich Swan. He is a bigger star than Rich Swan. Rich Swan never even made a fucking appearance on Dynamite. His name was never even mentioned on Dynamite. At least not until tonight. So the thought of Kenny Omega in a champion against champion match walking in and losing to Rich Swan. Rich Swan's a fine wrestler, but he is not a star at the level of a Kenny Omega. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. And it's ridiculous to think that he would just beat Kenny and now Rich Swan will start making appearances on on Dynamite. No. Brady Jones... Eight years listening, first time in the live chat, donating. Thanks for everything, Solomonster. Thank you, Brady. Eight years. What is that? 2013? That's a good run. It's a hell of a run. Thank you, sir. Jared M., who uh, startled me a little bit earlier on with the big show, uh, Chokeslam Super Chat. Thank you for the $65, Jared M. Jared M. goes back probably at least that long. Chris Quillman with the $10. I would like to see MJF take the TNT Championship off of Darby and become the new face of the network. I think he could really do a lot with that on his way to the AEW Championship, which will happen. I, I uh, I could dig that. I could dig that happening. LCT, how much of a tear, of a tear, how much of a tear uh, would Rusev have to, on to rehab him, oh, would have to go on to rehab him for a TNT title win? I think him or Archer should be Darby. It's it's probably going to be Miro. He does, there's not much that you have to do. All you need to do is have more promo packages like they had for him tonight and just have him wrecking dudes. He doesn't even have to be associated with Kip Sabian anymore. That angle has run its course. It ran its course once they did Arcade Anarchy. That was the the, the climax of all the arcade and the gaming stuff. And now he needs to just be on his own. As he said in the video package tonight, he still has not accomplished what he came here for. Get back to that. And all he has to do is just run through guys up until the match with Darby if they give him a TNT title match. So I would just give him a match. I'd have him kill some dudes on TV first in the next few weeks. And then you could do the title match on May 30th at the pay-per-view. It's plenty of time. Zach Masters, which New Japan AEW faction match would you rather see? Uh, L.I.J. against the Pinnacle or Suzuki Goon against the Inner Circle. Um, I could go either or. I would say, uh, personally, I probably would go for uh, the Pinnacle and L.I.J. But either one. Scorpio Sky's well-trimmed beard, one of our channel members. Have not seen a wooden chair since Zabisco turned on Bruno. No. The last time I can remember a wooden chair being used in, uh, well, in a major angle, would have been the first, 
Actually, it wasn't the first, but one of the first bumps that Vince McMahon took on WWE television, which was back in 1991. Roddy Piper was doing commentary. Ric Flair came over and was shoving him and instigating him and ended up attacking him. And Vince McMahon put his headset down to kind of go over and calm things down. And Piper didn't have his his wits about him, and he swung a wooden chair. And he hit Vince McMahon right across the back with the chair. Vince McMahon took a chair shot in 1991, but it was a wooden chair. The actual first bump I ever saw Vince McMahon, I think the first one he ever took was... Oh, I, t- I talked about this uh, once on the podcast. It was back when he was a young announcer in the uh, early 80s, late 70s, early 80s. I'm trying to think if it was someone who attacked Bruno, but I don't remember who it was. Or maybe, no, no, you know what? Maybe it wasn't. It was Albano. Lou Albano maybe either hit somebody. Oh, I know what it was. I think there was a, a trophy presentation for manager of the year or something like that. And I think Arnold Skolin may have won. And Lou Albano flipped out. And I think he hit him from behind with the trophy. And knocked, I think it was Skolin, over the top rope. And I think Vince McMahon also fell over or something. Somebody will correct me if I'm wrong. But that, I believe, was the first bump Vince McMahon ever took. Although no wooden chair was involved. Ken Terminated by DQ. Uh, thank you for the five. Scorpio's beard. I'll do one better. I have not seen a wooden chair used since gentleman Chris Adams used it to injure Kevin Von Erich. And he wants to know if I remember. And I don't, because that, I'm assuming, was a world-class angle. And I was not watching world-class championship wrestling back then. So I actually do not remember that angle. Although I knew about the uh, the Freebirds turning on the Von Eriks. I mean, that's a classic. Uh, but that one I did not know about. Ace of Masta, Darby and Jungle Boy. Feeling each other up would be a pay-per-view event. You know, there is an audience demographic for that. If they want to win, uh, you know, the women demo. And even some of the men. But if they want to win the women's demo on Wednesday night, there you go. You get Darby and Jungle Boy feeling each other up. I don't know how TNT would feel about that. They have standards and practices. But, you know, they do have a show called Dark. That sounds like a segment that you would find on a show called AEW Dark on YouTube. B.W. Rosas. How long do you think the elite in AEW? Because out of the 11 factions they have, one has to go. Also, do you see Moxley costing Omega Rebellion on Sunday? Oh, my God. You know, I hadn't thought about that. I really hope not. Because, look, what does that do for Rich Swan? If Rich Swan needs someone, needs an AEW guy to interfere in the match just to win the championship, it makes Rich Swan look like a fucking goof. That the only reason he won, the only thing, the only way he could win is because John Moxley, an AEW guy, had to do some kind of a run-in and interfere in the match. So, yeah, they could do that, but I don't see what that accomplishes. And why would Moxley want to do that? If Moxley cares about the company and he cares about AEW, why would he want to see the AEW title leave the company and go to the Impact World Champion? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But now that you've planted that idea in my head, I'm a little bit worried it might actually happen. 
Canadian Oddball. I depend on Solomonster for all of my wrestling news. Buy or sell watching Monday Night Raw or your leg through a window. Well, I have I have two legs, so if one if one gets hurt, I always have the other one. So I'll buy on that. The True Heel Master, great dynamite show tonight. At first, I was thinking Moxley and Kingston was going to pull a Hulk Hogan NWO style, just like The Rock's ambulance in 2002. Yeah, and uh, The Rock was a very forgiving guy, if you remember, because it was only a few weeks later after, at WrestleMania, in fact, after this man literally tried to kill him, that he was very forgiving, and he put his hand out, and he shook hands, and he's watching Hogan pose. This guy tried to fucking end his life. So The Rock was a very forgiving person in that angle, even though Hulk Hogan attempted murder live on television. Ryan Spies, is it weird, or it is weird, that AEW is not doing a match between the Inner Circle and the Pinnacle members next week for the advantage in blood and guts? Well, they're going to explain the rules to us, so maybe they have something else in mind for the rules. Uh, I would expect that they would change the rules up a little bit in some way to kind of make it make it their match and not copy exactly the formula. I don't know. I don't know what they would change. Uh, I could see them maybe chaining weapons to the walls of the cage. Could see that. But I don't know. It's also very possible that they could announce something during the week. You know, when Dynamite ended last week, they did not announce Darby Allen against Jungle Boy. That match came a few days later. So, they could always announce something late. Doar, with the $5, Caveman Camarado should start hunting Luchasaurus. There you go, see? See? You're welcome. You're welcome, AEW, for the gimmick idea. Caveman Camarado. Dr. NXT Scorpio. Uh, kind of sad that Sheeta is on her way to being a full year's champion, I think, and her reign has been kind of lackluster for most part. Not her fault, though. Yeah, I mean, the pandemic didn't help. Although, you can't blame it all on the pandemic. It, it's been a lackluster reign, even though she's had some good matches. Uh, Kagi's with the $20. Thank you, Kagi's. Wow. Busting out the 20 tonight. Congrats on the big 700. Sorry I was not present for the live stream. Hope you had a blast. Tonight's Dynamite was a blast. They let the big men stretch their mouth muscles. Ward, <laughs> yeah. In the case of uh, Hager, they might want to think twice about doing that next time. Wardlow did pretty good. Great matches. Canadian Oddball. I go to Solomon. Is this the- did you send that twice? Well, I shall answer your question twice. I will, uh, I will buy on the uh, the leg going through the window. I think he sent that twice. Let me see here. I have to know now. Yes, indeed. Uh, Kagi's. Did you hear Jr.'s Camarado crack? He must be cold, wearing a big coat and a sweater like that. And Sino Man cometh. I actually did not hear that. B.W. Rojas, or Roses, I should say. Congrats on 700. Also, any status on HOG's future? Nothing yet. Uh, Hopefully something soon will be announced. The school is open. So there are lots of students training at the uh, House of Glory school. 
And uh, hopefully in the next few months, there'll be more to announce. You know, we are we are still waiting for uh, some kind of announcement, but I would expect one hopefully very soon. And hopefully uh, we'll be back at the NYC Arena in Queens. It's been so long. I can't believe it's been so long. The last show that we had was December of 2019. It's a long time. Having withdrawal here. I can't wait to go back. Call some matches. Uh, The True Heel Master. Nick Camarado taking that wooden chair hit like a boss. Matthew Sun, have MJF and Sammy Guevara had a one-on-one match before? I believe they did. I thought they did. I feel like the following uh, following Blood and Guts, there's a few that I could really get into. Well, they have not had a match since the big reveal and the split in the factions. So, yeah, I mean, they could, I mean, they could definitely do the match as a uh, TV match. Sometime in the next few weeks or coming out of uh, Blood and Guts. Quintus Brown with the $7. Congrats on 700 Thank you, sir. We're doing episode 701 this Sunday because the work never ends. So there's going to be a lot more coming your way on the show this Sunday. We're already on the march to 800 The True Heel Master, would you be interested in a Ty Conti and Dr. Britt Baker storyline feud? And do you see Jade Cargill as a future women's world champion? Uh, Ty Conti and Britt Baker could be a a match or a feud after Britt wins the belt. Jade Cargill was on the show tonight in a a video package. Uh, She, this was almost like Bam Bam Bigelow being courted by managers back in the uh, WWF days, but not quite. We had comments from uh, Vicky Guerrero. Who is the other one? Vicky Guerrero and the other manager was... Oh, my goodness. There was there were two managers they featured on the show who were talking about... Oh, uh, Matt Hardy. And they both said they would love to manage Jade Cargill. And then Jade said that she doesn't need a manager, but if somebody wanted her, they'd have to shell out the big bucks. I don't... You know, I, I don't like the idea of her and Vicky Guerrero at all, so I hope they don't go down that road. You know, a manager could work, I guess, but, you know, she doesn't need one. I think she's doing just fine on her own. Do I see her as a future women's world champion? Absolutely. The woman just, I mean, come on. She looks like a champion. Now, she's still very inexperienced that she shouldn't be the champion right now. But a year from now, two years from now? As she continues to grow and improve? Does she not look like a champion to you? Does she not look like somebody who can... You can build a division around? Who could be like the gatekeeper for the division? The final boss for the division? Where people have to... You know, they're, they're trying to come up with challengers who can beat this woman? I mean, she can be the, uh, the top woman there. In uh, due time. Doar, thanks for keeping me updated on the on the overnight. Had to miss AW for sleep. Well, now you're all caught up on all the important stuff. Doctor NXT Scorpio, buy or sell Rich Swan or Will Osprey as world champions? I'm sorry. No, I mean I'm gonna uh, Will Osprey. Uh, if you, I mean if I have to pick one over the other, it's based on pure talent and the matches they've had. Will Osprey. 
not judging it by any other metric, Will Ospreay is, is just better. Kelly loves cats. Please tell Juan Ocampo to stop drinking. He has work tomorrow. Juan, damn it, Juan. How many times have I told you? Put the bottle down. Put the bottle down and get ready for bed. I'm watching you. I am watching you. Put the fucking bottle down. Ken terminated with the 10 spot. This past Monday, I heard Paul White on commentary. And you're right. Paul is not a bad color analyst. It shocks me since he was never a great talker, but great talkers failed from Piper to Graham. I would not call him a bad talker at all. I don't know what you're talking about. He, you know, when he has cut promos before, he's very articulate. He's very well-spoken. I've never looked at, at Big Show as being a bad talker. So... Maybe the maybe the material he was given wasn't very good, but I've always thought he's very well spoken, especially when I see him outside the ring doing PR and interviews and stuff, radio appearances, TV shows. I, I think he's a very good talker. Uh Quintus Brown. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit A two-hour blood and guts match. I don't know about that. Yeah, I, I, maybe they just misspoke. I, I would be very surprised if that was literally the only match on the show. I could see them taking one hour of the show. And just dedicating the hour, because you got commercials, don't forget. I could see the second hour of the show being dedicated to the Blood and Guts match. In fact, I think it would be uh, the smart thing to do to promote, you know, maybe one other kind of big match that night and maybe open the show with it and take that first hour to really drive home hour two coming up the big blood and guts match and really hook people in and get them to stick around and not change the channel. That's what I would do. Oz and Glorious, Discord, four members for life. Point taken. Point taken. Chris Ludek. With how bad Raw is consistently each week, will there ever be an emergency sound off midweek ever again? Well, I would have to be watching the show live. On uh, many weeks, I simply am not watching Raw live. I usually catch up with it the very next day or uh, two days later. Not every week, but many weeks. If I was watching the show and the show was so horrendous I just couldn't stand it, then yeah, I would... I would be plugging in the microphone, I'd be ringing the sirens, and I'd be going live on YouTube. But I leave that to others who uh, who have their own reviews on Monday nights. They do a good job in my absence. So, But if it was bad enough and I was actually watching live and I was pissed off and didn't want to wait for Sunday, you bet your ass I would. 
The Cheeseburger 666. So when the hell is Tony Khan going to buy WWE? Can't wait for him to purchase the Dabba E library. Okay. I have no idea what you're talking about. I thought you were going to say Impact. But even Impact, why the hell would he want to buy Impact? I mean, come on. Christian Cruz, are we ready for a Ring of, for a Ring of Honor AEW relationship? Young Bucks and Briscoes would definitely sell pay-per-view buys. That would be a hell of a match. That would be a hell of a match. And it's amazing to think the interest that WWE had in the Briscoes many years ago. And it got all fucked up by Jay Briscoe. And I don't know where the Briscoes would be right now if they would have had a run in WWE and it wouldn't have gone well and they would have been back in Ring of Honor by now because they probably would have turned them into the fucking Bushwhackers, uh, you know, 2.0. We'll never know how uh, a Briscoes run would have gone in WWE or NXT. Because after that, that pretty much killed their chances dead, right? They're pretty much lifers at this point in Ring of Honor. I, I don't know that I ever see them leaving, frankly. Uh, the True Heel Master with the $5 Super Chat. Private Party as heels is a good role for them on AEW. I believe they can get more over. Well, I assume that's why they did it. You know, to get them more experience, put them with Matt Hardy, let them play a different role on the show, maybe give them more promo time, although they haven't had a lot of promo time recently. on uh, At least not on Dynamite. Uh, we have one coming in here any second now from Nicholas Terrell. Nicholas Terrell. If Samoa Joe joins AEW, should he join Team Taz? I don't think he has to join any team. Samoa Joe stands alone. No need to put Samoa Joe with a faction. He doesn't have to go to the Elite. He doesn't have to go to the Dark Order. He doesn't have to go to Team Taz, even though there's a history, I guess, with Taz. He can feud with members of Team Taz. But no, I would not put Samoa Joe with Team Taz. Juan Ocampo. With $1.99, I am on my seventh cup of wine. One more won't hurt, he says. Drink cups of wine? You don't have a glass? Show some class. Why don't you drink uh, out of a brown paper bag while you're at it? cup of wine what's wrong with you christian cruz with the 4.99 i've popped my super chat cherry he says i am a fan of the qt stuff by the way so you're the guy look i'm a fan of of them trying to get new people over like uh, caveman camarado but qt marshall i i just i don't care he does nothing for me. He does nothing for me. Nothing special about him. He's fine. There's nothing wrong with him. He can wrestle and he can he can talk a little bit, but there's nothing exciting or interesting about him in any way. <laughs> anyway, he he seems like the perfect guy to be a coach or an agent. Which is kind of like what he is, I guess, for these new guys. But in terms of a QT Marshall match in the ring, it just, I, it's just nothing. It, it's nothing for me. Quintus Brown with the three bucks. What night should the new MLW show come on? Should Thursday be the night? Yeah, MLW is going to be coming to Vice TV as of, I believe, May 1st. 
and it's not an exclusive deal. So apparently they're working on other potential television deals as well. They want to have a whole bunch of different TV deals going on at once. So they're on B in Sport. That's not changing. They're on Dazen, the service uh, called Dazen, D-A-Z-N. Now they've got a deal with uh, Vice. And I actually, you mentioned Thursday. If I remember correctly, I, I believe that their show is going to be airing on Thursdays. It might be a lead into the new season of Dark Side of the Ring, which starts the following week on May 6th. Dark Side of the Ring is going to be on Thursdays because now NXT moved to Tuesdays. So I believe MLW is potentially going to be a lead in into Dark Side of the Ring, which would make total sense. So yeah, I think Thursday would be the night for them that would make the most sense. But yeah, for those who don't know, MLW, Major League Wrestling, is coming to Vice TV. And I don't know the exact date that they are going to be running shows in front of fans again. I believe, though, the plan is for them to start running shows in front of fans sometime in July. So MLW is making some moves. And they've got some pretty good names on that roster, too. And I would love to find more time to kind of work them into my viewing schedule. Like, I'm not doing that right now. Uh, once they hit Vice and they start up back in front of fans again and they really start to to get going, uh, I might have to give them another look. BW, with yet another super chat here, I meant to ask, how long do you think the Elite will last? I think the Elite will go on for a little while longer. Uh, I, I don't see them uh, splitting apart until... Maybe the fall. I, I think for the majority of this year, they'll probably stick together, would be my guess. Uh, Oz and Glory. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's not forget Nova Scotia Andrew. QT looks like someone's dad in his bowling shirts. Yeah, he does, actually. Actually, you know what? It's, it's not even someone's dad. He looks like someone's uncle. Uncle QT. Or Uncle Fester. One or the other. That's kind of what he reminds me of. Oz and Glorious, have you seen WWE's version of American Pickers on A&E? And if so, what are your thoughts? I have not. I have not yet seen that. I have not yet seen the Stone Cold uh, biography. I do plan on watching the Stone Cold biography, hopefully tomorrow. Uh, but no, I have not seen it yet. That's the uh, the Lost Treasures, I believe. Is that what it is? Where they have... I think Mick Foley was on the first episode. They were looking for like an old Mankind shirt that he used to wear, his original costume or something, memorabilia, they go searching. It's not even really searching, right? They they know where it is, and then they go to someone's house, and they find it. I think that's the kind of the setup of the show. But yeah, I, I have not yet uh, checked that out. So much, so, so many shows, right? There's so much content. I can't keep up with everything. <laughs> it's like content overkill. And that's not even all of it. Got NXT, you got Raw, you got SmackDown, you've got now they have all this shit on AE. Got Impact, you've got AEW, you've got a second AEW show coming soon, you've got Ring of Honor, you've got MLW, and now MLW is coming to Vice, and now the new season of Dark Side of the Ring is gonna start up. What am I missing? I, I know I'm missing stuff. I'm missing uh what am I missing? NWA, right? NWA Power back on Fight TV. It's like, how do you how do you keep up with everything? It's almost impossible at this point. I mean, I like wrestling, but there, there's got to be a limit. 
Donzel Hawkins with the $5. I'm tired of hearing about EDP 445. I have no idea what that's about. But he says, thanks for staying true to yourself and good show, by the way. Donzel, thank you very much. I wish I knew what that was in reference to, but that doesn't sound like it has anything to do with wrestling. So we'll leave that for uh, the live chat and for Twitter. Uh, Dr. NXT Scorpio with the 399. I bet 20 bucks that there was going to be some sort of screwy finish or a bunch of shenanigans in the title match on Sunday. You're probably right. You're probably right. But they would be dipshits if they do any kind of finish that pisses off their audience. This is not the match to do that. There is a time and a place for screwy finishes or a dusty finish or something like that. This is not. One of those matches. You have to deliver a finish that whether the heel wins or the impact guy wins, which he won't, you've got to deliver a a winner. Yeah, you're making a big deal about this match. You're bringing in Mara Ranala. You're giving it this big fight feel. You've been promoting this match now for eight weeks or however long it's been. And I just think it would be completely counterproductive for them to go ahead and and do anything but give people a clean finish. I mean, where it goes from there and who drops what title, that could be worked out. But yeah, a screwy finish in the main event on pay-per-view this Sunday would be devastatingly stupid, I think, for Impact as a promotion. But it's Impact, right? Wouldn't be the first time Impact did something devastatingly stupid, although that was with other regimes. Hopefully this regime knows better than the old regimes. Uh, the True Heel Master, don't be surprised if HBO Max wants AEW content on their streaming platform. Very possible. It's all part of the Warner the Warner Media family. Anything is possible. So thank you for those super chats. I do appreciate that. Got a lot of, uh, a lot of good ones there. And if you missed it, let's go back and take a look at where things stand with the AEW poll. Only went down slightly. 80.5% thumbs up, 19.5% thumbs down. A very, very good show tonight. I talked about it all before. So if you are tuning in late in the stream and you want to know my thoughts on the TNT title main event and all the stuff in between, I suggest you go back and check out the uh, full review from the very beginning. And vote in the poll, too. Don't forget, at Solomonster. Follow me on there. Follow me on Twitter. I always have my handle on the screen right there. There it is, right there. Boom. At Solomonster. We've got Abanov with the 279 Canadian. Whose entrance in AEW is underwhelming as fuck? Whose entrance is underwhelming? QT Marshall. <laughs> I just find him to be underwhelming. It's kind of a weird question. I, I don't know that anybody else's is uh, coming to mind right now. Spanish Goddish is joining us. Look at this. He goes, what's up, guys? Everybody say hello to Spanish Goddish. Always showing love for me in the show. I got to show love back to him. And look at that. He even gets Naya's hole as his super chat image. I am sorry, Spanish Goddish. My gift to you is the gift of Naya's hole. 
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Oh, look at this. This is like Inception. You've got two solo monsters on your screen right now, searching for something. Thank you, Stephen Chappell, with the $30 Christian Cage Super Chat. Happy I caught this after my run. Here's a post-workout 30 for the man himself. When Excalibur mentioned The Sopranos, I immediately laughed and said, We're with the wipers. We're with the wipers. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. What was that during the... Was that... The... You know what? I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot to mention that. Was that in reference to QT Marshall? Is that because JR had like a legit laugh out loud moment when Excalibur mentioned Tony Soprano? Remind me in the chat, was that in reference to QT Marshall? Because if it was, then good on JR for laughing at that fucking comment. There is nothing about QT Marshall that reminds me about Tony Soprano other than they were bald or mostly bald. (laughs) That's about it. There ain't nothing else that reminds me of Tony Soprano. That was a, uh, that was quite the stupid comment. Uh, Donzel Hawkins. When I was a minor, I had adults, uh, uh, manipulation and coercion and grooming asking me if I wanted alcohol. Well, that's awful. And you know what I would say to those people? I would tell those people to go fuck themselves. So, hopefully that, uh is not an issue anymore, and you're doing okay, Donzel. But yeah, people in the chat are saying it was, I think, in reference to uh, to QT. What, what a ridiculous comparison. What a ridiculous... That's right, Steven sent me the gif of Tony laughing. It's unbelievable. Yeah, because when I think of QT Marshall, I think of Tony Soprano. I think of the head of the, of the, mafia, of the mafia crime family. You know, I think when I think of QT Marshall, he's one of the guys that Tony Soprano would wrap piano wire around his neck and would choke him the fuck out. That's QT Marshall. He's one of these guys who doesn't pay up in time. And Tony has to send Pauly after him to go have a chat. Nova Scotia Andrew says, I guess he looks like Tony when Tony is hanging out by his pool. Yeah, when he's lounging out by the pool, watching the, the birds or the ducks or whatever. Yeah, this is only making me want to go back and rewatch the entire series again. So great. It's so great. Every now and then, I'll be on YouTube looking at something completely unrelated. And I will go down the Sopranos rabbit hole. I'll find this clip, or this clip is recommended in my timeline on my sidebar, and I'll watch it. And one leads to two, two leads to four, four leads to eight. And before I know it, I'm... I'm back on uh, my TV watching the uh, the Russian in the snow. 
right? The Pine Barrens. Such a great show. Oz and Glorious with the $5 super chat as we uh, wrap things up here. I'm sick as a dog with COVID. Uh Uh-oh. And it is still not as bad as watching QT Marshall eat up valuable TV time. Oh, Oz and Glorious. That is meaner than anything I've ever said about QT Marshall. (laughs) He has COVID. He is sick as a dog with COVID. And it is still not as bad as watching QT Marshall eat up valuable television time. That is a sick burn by Oz and Glorious. Well, Oz and Glorious, I hope you feel better. I hope that you will not feel as shitty in the uh, days to come. I saw there was some kind of tweet that somebody uh, posted that uh, Ted Nugent, apparently, who I don't think uh, believed in COVID, is now claiming that he is sick with it. He has to crawl out of bed. Well, sucks to be him, doesn't it? But Oz and Glorious, I hope you feel better. True Heel Master, imagine the Blood and Guts winners have a champion locker room celebrating with bubbly and cigars. Ken terminated by DQ. At Oz and Glorious, I wish you nothing but the best. I hope you recover. By the way, Solomonster, thank you again for entertaining me. Well, Ken, thank you for joining me every single week. And uh, yes, we wish all the best to Oz and Glorious. King of Doug style with the $5. I wish I could give more, but I want to show at least a little love to you, Solomonster. Thank you for everything. You don't have to apologize. Even you're, you're the fact that you would drop $5 on this stream. Are you kidding me? That means that means a lot to me. Thank you for the support. So I believe you may get the last word. Actually, no, you're not. No, I spoke too soon. Dr. NXT Scorpio, Sheamus against No Way Jose in an Irish drum fight at WrestleMania. Yeah, what, what other dumb stipulation can they uh, come up with for this stuff? Quintus Brown with the three bucks. Cody against QT at double or nothing. I mean, that seems to be where the storyline is leading to, is it not? Unless Cody is going to be away. I know Brandy is uh, with child. I don't know when she's expecting, but maybe they're going to keep Cody off TV until the baby comes. That could be months from now, though. It's either got to be Cody or it's a bull rope match with Dustin, based on what we saw tonight. That would be my guess. It's got to be one or the other, though. Paul Heyman says, thoughts on T-Bar being unmasked. I mean, it's long overdue. It's a good first step, but we still have yet to see them follow through on exactly how they're going to push him. Or First of all, he's got to drop the name T-Bar. T-Bar, T-Bag, T-Pain. Just call him by his fucking name. But the mask, losing the mask, Losing the Bane mask is a good first step. Beyond that, though, I have absolutely no faith in them to follow up on this properly. Let them prove me wrong. But look at what they've done so far. Apparently Mia Yim is moving to SmackDown. Slapjack is being moved to SmackDown. If if Slapjack goes to SmackDown as Slapjack, then he has no chance. If they take the mask off of him and give him a new name and just call him Shane Thorne, he doesn't have much of a chance. I'm sorry. 
Shane Thorne, okay wrestler. I mean, there's nothing wrong with him, but there's also nothing uh, overly special. If he goes to SmackDown to Shane Thorne or Slapjack, I don't see much of a future for him on SmackDown by himself. You know, he was part of a tag team. Remember TM69? And his partner decided that he had to go back home. I don't remember if it was a family issue or whatever his reasoning was. And it kind of left his partner in a lurch. So I kind of feel bad for the guy because he was part of this tag team. And when you're part of a tag team, the decisions that your partner makes, whether they get suspended or if they step away or if they get hurt, we just saw that with the Viking Raiders, right? They're back. Ivar just came back. Ivar was out for seven months. What were they doing with Eric for seven months? He got his ass kicked a few times on Raw Underground, and then we never saw him again, except when the 24-7 Clown Brigade would come running after R-Truth, chasing after the championship. There was Eric. He was chasing after the 24-7 title. That's what happens. When your partner goes down, you get fucked. You get fucked. And that's what happened to Shane Thorne. Look what happened to this guy. He was in a tag team. He came into the company years ago with a lot of promise. He ends up in a fucking hockey mess looking like Casey Jones being called Slapdick. So he's dead in the water. Mia Yim, I hope, can at least recover. Just call her Mia Yim. That's all you got to do. She can join the SmackDown women's division as Mia Yim. Not reckoning or retribution or revolution or restitution or resurrection or whatever the fuck they want to call her mia yim coming to smackdown very simple you don't have to overcomplicate things dick tickles in the chat says uh, they'll just slap Thorn with Daniel Bryan, and he'll get an instant rub. Yeah, he'll get an instant rub for one match, and then he'll be right back to where he was. Just like, uh, what's-his-face, got an instant rub from working with Daniel Bryan last year. Drew Gulak, thank you, Dr. NXT, thank you very much. Drew Gulak. So, yeah, just like Drew Gulak got the big rub from working with Daniel Bryan, it's not about the rub. Anybody can get a rub, okay? I could go to a friggin' massage parlor and get a rub. But what matters is what happens after that. What is the follow-up? What is the follow-through? That's what matters. With Drew Gulak, there was none. And Drew Gulak was never going to be pushed at the main event level, but you, we could talk about him getting the rub from this guy or that guy. Do they have plans for him? Do they see him as a star? No? Well, then he's not going to go anywhere. Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander, right? They got the rub. From the Hurt Business, until Vince McMahon said, I don't want you in the Hurt Business anymore. Because he never saw them as the real stars. They just wanted to build up Bobby Lashley, and when they accomplished that, these guys were dead weight, so they cut him. Didn't fire him, but they cut him from the Hurt Business. Not yet. And look what look what their, their fate is now. They're the resident jobbers now on Monday Night Raw. The rub will only get you so far. Anyway, I shall bid you farewell. Thank you for joining me tonight here. This is fun. Always fun hanging out with you guys for a couple of hours on a Wednesday night. Uh, hopefully you guys are all caught up now and you enjoyed the uh, the Dynamite review. Uh, what I thought was a uh, an excellent show, really. Top to bottom. All the key stuff delivered. The MJF promo. Seek that out if you did not see it. 
Seek out the MJF promo. Seek out the main event between Darby Allen and Jungle Boy. And I would even tell you to watch the opening match, Hangman Page and, and Starks. Uh, I thought was good. But the women's title match, you should definitely seek that out as well. If there's only two matches I would recommend, it would be the women's title match and the TNT title match. The two title matches on the show tonight delivered. The hype, they're in hype mode right now for Blood and Guts on May 5th. And I thought they did a, a good job with it tonight, but uh, nothing better than that MJF promo. He really, uh, he killed it. He nailed it. That's how you put this over with a promo like that. He blew Chris Jericho tonight out of the water, I thought. And now they'll have their uh, little parlay next week. But uh, anyway, I'm out of here. Always remember that your Wednesday night sound off review, it is the only review that you need. All you got to do is show up here, and I got you covered. And I will also have you covered this weekend for episode 701 of the Solomon Monster Sounds of Dropping on all the usual channels on Sunday, covering all the news of the week. We got more history. I'm taking your questions, so continue to email me, thesolomonster at gmail.com, because you never know when I may be able to answer your question on the air. Uh, go back and check out the four-hour stream from Sunday night. Four hours of uh, Q&A, even though we were having some technical issues, and apparently my uh, my mouth wasn't matching the voice. It was out of sync. But if you close your eyes, you would never know the difference. But thank you for all the, uh, the positive feedback on that. Hit that like button on the way out, and uh, I will leave you here with uh, a reminder. For those of you who may be interested in becoming a channel member here on YouTube, I do plan on uh, pumping out more stuff there. And if you do join and become a channel member, man, I salute you because that is amazing. And I appreciate the hell out of you for it. So be well, stay safe, have yourselves a great night. I will see you for 701 uh, coming up this Sunday. And uh, until then, take care, guys. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit.